Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah What's up? We're guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm Sean. And I'm Sinclair Ferguson. <laughs> Sinclair Ferguson. Oh. Obedience. Obedience. All right. Yeah, we're going to be going over uh, one of the great Puritans, John Knox, today. I hope you all are excited. I'm excited. Hopefully, we get some stuff covered. Dilly about dilly. Him. Dilly dilly. What do you guys know about John Knox? Well, or do you want you me call, to go? Do you want me to just call, bust in? I'm just gonna say it. Uh, you started out the intro there, and you said he was a Puritan. Yeah, that's a lie. Nope. Well, I, well, I guess he kind of was a Puritan. Really? Uh, well, I know. I know nothing about John Knox. Just to let you guys know, John Knox is the, known pro- as the, the problem founder was John- of the Puritans. Yeah, but his, his, well, maybe I'm wrong here. I thought his Reformation was coming out of Catholicism, not from Anglicanism. But maybe I mean, I'm wrong about that. He did come well, out of Roman Catholicism, but... See, that's yeah. what kind of makes me think of him not as a Puritan, because the Puritan movement was mainly about uh, cleaning up the Church of England. Yeah. But he I mean, did have, he did he have was, a role... He was a in role the, in the Church of England. Yeah, well, he was exiled... In England, I know that. All right, so John Knox. John Knox was a, a pastor in Scotland. Uh, basically, he was forced into the pastoral position um, because the Roman Catholics of the French they came in and they seized his church at. Um, uh, it was uh, Saint Andrews, I believe, is what the name of the church was. Um, ding 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 ding. So. They came and seized the church and all of the people that belonged there, and they burned the the priest that was in charge of the church at the stake um, out in front of the church, which John Knox saw this as a, um, basically an uproar calling to the ministry. Um, it just it kind of propelled him into the ministry. Um, he uh, went into the room, and he, they, they say that he stayed there for three days and prayed and prayed and prayed, and wanted God to reveal to him, is, is this really what you want me to do? Do you want me to preach? Do you want me to be a pastor? Yada, yada. Um, John Knox, he wasn't um, what you would call a handsome or a, a tall in stature <laughs> man, you know? He was more of a, he was a rugged dude. Like a leprechaun. Um, uh, I wouldn't say a leprechaun. He was probably a normal <laughs> size like us, 5'8", you know, 5'9", you know, short stature. I'm shorter than that. 
Yeah, I know. I can't go <laughs> I, that low. I am too. I'm I'm only five seven. Oh man, you guys are short. I'm a short Irish Hobbits. Man. I just I just looked down at you. <laughs> um so this this guy, uh, Thomas Carlyle, um he he actually made this statement about um John Knox in one of his books, and it's called The Heroes Heroes and the Hero Worshippers. Um, he says this, he was the chief priest and founder of the faith that became Scotland's New England and Oliver Cromwell's, that is of Puritanism. Um, Carlyle does not actually mention or include England like he should have done, but he includes um, New England and Oliver Cromwell. Um, he claims that John Knox, uh, that he was the father and founder of the movement, um, that led to remarkable events known as the British Isles, but far that led went into the British Isles and led out further out into the history books. Um, John Knox was not just a central location type guy. He was actually an international figure um, of that time. He actually ventured down with John Calvin and he sat under John Calvin and became a, a pastor under John Calvin and was um, commissioned to go out and preach to the uh, certain group of people. Um, so if we go back to the St. Andrews, um, at, at first he didn't preach. He was forced to do so. Um, the French captured St. Andrews, took a number of prisoners. John Knox found himself working as a slave in the French galley for nearly two years. Um, this was probably the most exhausting experience that in which he suffered. Uh, not only was it rigorous, but he came down with deathly illnesses. Um, there's some quotes and stuff on John Knox about how the the French would bring a statue of Mary, a golden statue of Mary, and ask him to pray for it as he's uh, rowing the boat. And uh, oh. he, he would grab the idol and toss it overboard and tell him Mary <laughs> can pray for herself. And... Uh, so, which was which was really cool, and uh, he was fire. Yeah, I mean, I he love was, that guy. He was only he was only like sent onto this boat because um, during that time, uh, it, he was he got out of that in two years. So he was on this ship for two whole years, and throughout his life, he struggled with against health health and illness. Um, eventually, he was able to get out of that situation. He came back to England and Scotland. Um, the situation became too difficult in Scotland when he was there, so he settled in England, and he was appointed minister and preacher of the Berwick of Tweed and remained in the Newcastle Wait, upon Tyne. I love me some Tweed. Berwick <laughs> on Tweed, yeah. Um, Newcastle upon Tyne from 1549 to 1551. Wait, wait, is it Tyne or Tweed? Tweed. And then time, have to, time, T Y N E. That's a Newcastle gotcha. upon time. Yeah, it's a different different location. Um, there, there's much to dispute whether he was born um, 1503 or 1504, or about 1513 or 1515. Uh, I've, I've read many many different discussions, but it really doesn't matter. Um, the important point is that the man was of age and he was converted somewhere in the 1540s. Um, he became a preacher in Berwick and Newcastle. Um, after that, he came down to London, and by this, 
Edward the Sixth was on the throne. I don't know if you guys know Edward the Sixth, um, but wait, I thought it was Edward. Yeah, I guess it is Edward the Sixth. Jeez, what are you guys doing? Young guy, learn your Roman numerals, <laughs> Lee. <laughs> so, so Knox, he actually became one of the court um, chaplains of the court of preachers. Um, he was basically the center of affairs in England, and he preached on many occasions before Edward the Sixth and the court. Um, Edwards the Sixth. Because once God. again, you've got a you've got a tightly related church and state, right. just like we talked about with John Calvin too. Exactly. Um, Edwards, he he later on dies at the age of sixteen, so he was a young young boy in the on the throne, which I guess was normal. Um, and then that never that never works out well. And then we have Mary, Bloody Mary, as it is known. Boo. She she came to the throne of England. Knox and a number of others had to escape for their lives, right? Um, eventually, yeah, he murdering. went to the continent and began to study under John Calvin at Geneva. But while he was there, he was called to become a joint pastor of the English refugees who had formed a church in Frankfurt on Maine. Um, Do you know—sorry, not to yeah, interrupt. Go ahead. Do you know uh, one of the uh, names that uh, Knox called uh, Mary Tudor? Did he really? <laughs> it's a really, it's a really subtle name. That idolatrous Jezebel. That idolatrous Jezebel. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Could I, you imagine him saying that in like a brilliant Scottish accent? Oh yeah. Plus, <laughs> be awesome, dude. John Knox, he was very stern. Um, he was not afraid of nobody, and um, yeah, he really he faced um, these two main powerful women, um, Elizabeth and Mary. He, he faced them both. Oops, I hit my... But, um, yeah, I mean, he took on some powerful people. Um, but, yeah, so he became a pastor um, of the English church from 1556 to 59, I think. Um, and then in April 1559, after the death of Mary, and when Elizabeth came on the throne in 1558, he was able to not only return to the to the British Isles, but to Scotland as well. And he began his great work and his life's work in in Scotland. <sighs> That's I got a couple more notes I, I think I can give you guys. Um, so I talked about his so I kinda wanted to talk about his like his physical nature. Um, like I said, he wasn't very a very sickly. He wasn't a handsome man or in any way distinguished in appearance as judged by the modern standards. Um, he was a strong and rugged man, and from fr the physical standpoint, there was nothing to recommend him except for the fact that there was something that came into his eyes that people literally feared God when they looked at him. Right, so um, he was a strong man, a rugged man, and from the physical standpoint, there was nothing to recommend him except for the fact that there was something that came into his eyes now and again that literally put the fear of God into the people. Um, the most striking uh, characteristic... So he was a bully. Oh, he was just... He was a stud. stud so basically he was me? No. <laughs> He's a lot like me. You have a better mustache than he did. I don't know. This dude had a beard. Yeah, he was wrong. He did have beard. a beard. Knox was Everybody had a good beard back then. Um, also... Um, I don't know if you guys know Jasper Ridley. Um, he actually wrote a book on John Knox. Um, yeah, I went to I went to high school with him. Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> oh man! 
That's such a cool name, Jasper. I Jasper love Ridley. That actually would be a pretty good name for a kid. But um, he refers to him as the consummate politician. Basically, Knox was very, very good at debating and um, getting his point across in the political realm. Um, so that's where you kind of get mixed with church and state as well. His wisdom. I, I, I want to throw out some characteristics. Um, this man is generally regarded as a bigot, um, a harsh man, a man driven by tremendous conceit and ambitions, a man who would have no disagreement or any kind of opposition, but you cannot read any of his objective account of him being amazed of his extraordinary wisdom. Um, he seemed to be no, he knew exactly how far he could go with people and how far he could set the stage. And also he never went beyond the point of where he knew he could go, you know? Um, so he knew how he could take the conversation to a whole new level, um, where people would be like, to not, to not get himself beheaded, but also to get his point across. Right. Exactly. So he was, he was probably like, I can't believe that they just, that he just said that, you know, wow, that dude's, he's (laughs) in, he's insane. Um, (laughs) His main his main thing that he really went up against um, uh, the political realm was for the Book of Common Prayer that they tried to influence around the area. Um, John Knox, he just simply, he didn't use it. He didn't want anything to do with it. It's not that he didn't like it. It's just that he just didn't use it plainly. Um, he faced some scrutiny because of it. Um, oh, who wouldn't? Yeah, who wouldn't? I mean... John Knox, he really had to. I mean, one John Knox was probably one of the the Puritans that just took on a lot. Um, he was he really reminds me of Luther. Um, he wasn't afraid to stand alone. You know what I mean? Luther was not scared to stand alone and preach what what is true about the gospel and the scripture and its authority or to the church and face death. Knox was the same way. Knox was willing and to accept just, the consequences that came with being right. Old. Um, also a lot of people, they, they, they refer to Knox as basically, uh, uh, a recording of John Calvin pretty much. Like he just, he sounds like John Calvin. Right. But I, I think that's a big mistake. Um, and I think, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, he would agree with me, and Ian Murray. The doctor. Um, yeah, the doctor. Not Doctor Who. The real doctor the, is Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. The I could never Sherlock get into Doctor Holmes. Who. Yeah, I can't either. Sherlock Holmes. Is... <laughs> uh, let's see. I'm fascinated with him as kind of a transitional figure in the reformation yeah because you've got you've got the big you know the magisterial reformers as they're called so like martin luther getting it all going then you've kind of got melanchthon in there and then calvin who we already talked about who really um starts to codify these beliefs and really i think it's with knox where you really start to see the uh the reformation blossoming blossoming and people beginning to to fully adopt the biblical theology of Calvin, but also to communicate it in their own way. Right. 
So where where Calvin, I mean, he was he was kind of polemical, and he would debate with, especially with the government. But um, but Knox took on a more confrontational in means of like debating um, op- openly, going against ideas um, in a in a public way. Uh, so he wasn't just known as as an expositor and a preacher, but as a great defender, especially in a, in a time where there was intense persecution of people of his theological camp. You know that he was kind of the voice for um, for those refugees who were fleeing for their lives under Mary. And I I like that aspect of him. I kind of think I just think it's really interesting. Um how in scotland he which uh not anybody really thinks of as being a roman catholic country today um oh no uh-uh. uh unlike like ireland its neighbor but uh which they're falling from that as well but um yeah they like killing babies now yeah yeah um but he how uh He's known not so much for the overthrow of Roman Catholicism in Scotland, but how he, when he spent time in Geneva with John Calvin, he learned a lot. He gained a lot of experience and knowledge um, of Reformed theology and Presbyterian polity, and he managed to replace... Roman Catholicism in Scotland with Presbyterianism rather than mm. Anglicanism, which was the ruling Protestant faith of that area at the time. So he he kind of barged in and kind of took he just took it over, and that's like what Scott said earlier. He was such a a demanding figure and a a strong strong willed person that he. Uh, he used that, God used that, and he managed to somehow implant this new, different tradition into Scotland that really has no, had no root before, really. So it's just, I just thought that was kind of interesting. That's, that's a really important point about him. Right. Yeah, and that's something that we hadn't touched on yet. Yeah, because the, the Presbyterian Church in Scotland... I mean, they even to this day they uh, they even developed their own uh, book of common prayer. So it's right. it's slightly different than the than the English book of common prayer, but but the fact that they had that much theological development just on that island, uh, that part of that island, um, is really fascinating. Um, in, in a uh, true true work of of reformation by the hand of God. Also the. Uh says right here um he left geneva to head the english refugee church that scott talked about in frankfurt but he was forced to leave over differences concerning the liturgy the liturgy thus ending mm-hmm. his association with the church of england so and that probably has something to do also with his knowledge of presbyterianism and how pres how the presbyterian church is structured they do have mm-hmm. a liturgy, but it is uh, it's different from Anglican. It's definitely much different, much yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. It's it's much more low church, I think, so for the most part. But uh, you really can say that Presbyterianism came from Scotland. 
Oh I yeah, think you could probably make I, a pretty strong argument for that. I would I would say that's the birthplace of that tradition, for sure. Thanks to John Knox. Yeah, John Knox. He was just one of those um, one of those guys that just really put a a mark um, during the Reformation. He's well known throughout the Reformation. Um, he really he actually saved. Um, the Reformation countless times due to his his political um, his, the way he would defend the Reformation in political standpoints. Um, let me see, where was that? Knox wrote a, a book uh, it's called The History of the Reformation in Scotland and so he talks about uh, Mary Queen of Scots in there and uh, in talking about scripture and these kinds of things about how the Reformation began. I need to look to see if that is, um, if that's available, number one, and if it's a, if it's in the public domain or if it has to be purchased, but, um, that would be probably a really great read for anybody interested in the, in the topic of not only the Reformation, but specifically the Reformation in Scotland. Yeah. Um, I, I also thought, uh, Back to the uh, starting with uh, Presbyterianism in Scotland. I, if you think about it, it's kind of interesting too. Uh, the Puritans are very closely related to Presbyterians, and it's kind of interesting how he influenced two different nations, England and Scotland. You know, forming Presbyterianism in Scotland and helping the puritans uh form in in england at the same time basically it's kind of interesting too that's neat because they are they are different traditions they're quite similar but they are different he and maybe correct me if i'm wrong but he was really passionate about the the regulative principle and about getting back to the uh the practices of the early church to not to not be to not have aberrant practices. Right. So he I think he even alienated one of his churches with his devotion to to the regulative principle, to really dialing down exactly their practices in worship so that they were in alignment with the practices of the early church and uh, with uh, with the dictates of scripture. Which definitely people who were coming out of Catholicism and really even Anglicanism also would have probably bristled up at quite a bit. You know, I think, I think that's part of, part of his uh, disagreement with the book of common prayer was I think even that, which is, you know, very scriptural, you know, but I think he, he didn't want to be a pastor of a church where they put the book of common prayer up next to, or even above the scripture itself. Right. So I think that passion for, for the right administration of the sacraments and preaching of the word and all the, all those kinds of things that how dare, that's what <laughs> how that's dare what you fed that the word. I know it's it's terrible I know I should have said ordinances you're <laughs> well, right he, you're right he, oh, he wow. said sacraments we're just trying <laughs> it was sacraments to him yeah yeah I'm a pretty bad baptist most of the time and so it just yes, kind of shows yeah. I think everyone knew what you meant <laughs> the funny thing is to... more people know the word sacrament than ordinance so yeah. yeah i just wanted to bother lee 
Yeah, yeah, I know. How dare you? You done it. <laughs> you d- you did good, Sean. Thank you. You struck a nerve. Good. I know it's your spiritual gift. It is. I do that a lot with people. But you know that 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 right there is the engine of Reformation. Not only during the time of the Protestant Reformation, but even through to this day, it's always been about the faithful preaching of the word, um, getting man-made practices out of the way, expositing scripture, handling the ordinances in the way that they're prescribed in scripture, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and encouraging one another in prayer, and um, sharing a meal together, all, uh, all these kinds of things. Th- th- those are the things that fuel Reformation. Because those right. are the ordinary means of grace, and that's what the church is tasked with, with delivering uh, on on the Lord's day, and uh, evangelizing the lost. So right. that uh, that is what drives Reformation, and that's the common denominator. Whether you're talking about uh, Geneva, whether you're talking about England, whether you're talking about Scotland, whether you're talking about uh, the Netherlands. I mean, even, Germany. Even looking, Germany. Uh, you could even look into Africa, and it's the same thing. It's always where, like, where the word is faithfully preached, and the ordinances are properly administered, and the means of the the uh, communicants in the in the church receive the ordinary means of grace. That's where Reformation happens. Right. And I mentioned Africa because shout out to uh, one of my favorites, Conrad Umbewe at uh, Kabwata Baptist Church in Zambia. I listened that, to the sermon podcasts from that them. Dude is- that dude is so brilliant. Amazing. I was really sad that I uh, missed seeing him when he was near near our area. He was outside uh, Dayton. Um, I didn't get to hear him because I chose to go to our local congregation and be and be uh, <laughs> be taught by my pastor, not yeah. not a uh, celebrity. But I really wish I could have seen him. Right. Because he's a celebrity to me. He's a celebrity to you. He's he's one of my heroes. He'd be like, Lee, I'm just a man. You're Lee, you're a celebrity to me. <laughs> right back at you, baby. Do you guys need a room? You're a you're a star. <laughs> so yeah, Is I think anything? um I don't know. I think Knox was very a very strong and influential people uh person in in the church's um Reformation days. And also today, I think um, he could be a great influence to many young pastors, many um, up-and-coming uh, laymen, um, just like 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 us. Yeah, deacons, elders, um, church members. Just, I mean, John Knox is someone that will will re re put the boldness in Christianity to you, um, what it stands for, why it means so much to be bold in your faith. Um, John Knox was not afraid to be bold. Um, he was not a, he was not one of these little, little sissies that run around now. He's, yeah. He was a a man. Yeah. He isn't pumping the gold dust into the ventilations. No, he would, (laughs) he would throat punch you if you did that. Yeah. He might actually. (laughs) He'd throw your your gold dust into the ocean. Right. Yeah. He'd make, he'd mix it with water and make you drink it like Moses did. Oh gosh! <laughs> Here, drink this. They may take our land, but they will not take our freedom. Drink it, you heathen. We're about to go slay some dragons. Believe in love. 
Repent. But Mary, she has nothing on us. <laughs> oh, man. She'll be bloody after we sit here and pray. <laughs> you know, that, that's another thing that was really great about John Knox. Um, a lot of men, they said that during that time, he was feared when he would preach and when he would pray. Um, he, Mary uh, was like the Queen of Scots. She was terrified when John Knox would hit his knees. When John Knox hit his knees, things happened and things moved. And I mean, God was working uh, through John Knox and his, his preaching, working through the word being preached. Um, that's really what got him kicked out of Scotland <laughs> because he would here's, pray. Here's a quote from her. Mary Queen of for, Scots, yeah, go ahead. she said, I, f- I fear the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of England. Right, isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, and it, and they say that he would pray for hours and hours during the night. He would pray relentlessly, um, which is crazy. I mean, how many of us really mm-hmm. pray like that today? I would say no one. I don't think of... I don't think I can name yeah. one person that prays like Not that me. relentlessly. Um, I don't pray like that relentlessly, and I, I probably should. Um, but you know, one of one of his famous prayers is quoted. A part of it is "Give me Scotland or I die." Um, I don't know if there's freedom! anybody. <laughs> freedom has the blue painted on his face. <laughs> He's rocking a kilt at the pe- uh, the pulpit. Yeah, he. You know he wore a kilt. No, he had to. Totally. You know he probably had. Could you imagine wearing his tartan? My gosh, I'd be so proud to be Scottish if if I was related to him and wore his tartan. (laughs) Shoot, I'm not Scottish, but Steve Lawson. Um, He actually got to preach. uh, I think he actually got to hear someone preach at St Andrews. Or he preached at St. Andrews last year. I can't remember. It not, not, I was Saint, gonna, <laughs> not, I was not gonna St. Andrews in Sanford, Florida, though, right? Right. <laughs> was, he was he was over in Scotland. Uh, I was gonna ask if I'm that church here was in still Scotland. standing. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm almost 100 percent positive that it is still standing. Um, and I think I'm so, here in Scotland, and I'm gonna preach. Yeah, I'm gonna preach. <laughs> so. Everyone get out your Bibles, and we're going to turn to <laughs> First Peter I'm chapter I'm Stephen J. Three. Lawson, and I was born in a suit and tie. And I approve this mess. <laughs> Dude, I love his voice. He cracked up, uh, man. I, I do. <laughs> He's like a southern gentleman. Who's that one Where's guy? Where's he from? Who's that one guy that says, dearly beloved? Uh, what was that guy? If Alistair Begg would say dearly beloved in his sermons, that would make them even better. I like Alistair I like listening Begg. to him, too. I do, too. He's legit. He was, uh, uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of Charles Spurgeon, and I have the... No, the really? Spur- <laughs> and I have the Spurgeon Study Bible, and uh, he, I believe he was the uh, general editor yep. for that Bible. Yes, he was. Another good uh, Ohio pastor. Yeah, is he up in uh Up in Cleveland? Cleveland. Yep. Yeah. What's it, Parkside? Uh, oh, Parkside something or other. Baptist Church? Maybe. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google it now. Alistair the only, Begg. The, the only Parkside problem you... Church. That's what it oh. is. 
the the uh, the only problem you would have with the Spurgeon Study Bible, Lee, is it's in uh, CSB. CSB. All right, I'm back. Ugh. I have no time for the CSB. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I just can't can't handle it. Dude, I am not going to the CSB. It's like when Dylan went electric. I just have to I just have to put it away. Yeah, you got to give it a chance. Uh, just just read it. I'm not giving it no yeah. chances. The only chance that's because you're afraid chance. you'll like it. Here, you're afraid you'll like it. I ain't afraid to like nothing. I only like the magic. I bought. <laughs> I gave it a chance. I bought a super cheap reader's version on Amazon, and I read. Maybe three chapters, and I I just uh, couldn't I couldn't hack it. I gave it's so smooth. I gave it's like him butter. the CSB. I was like Sean, here you go, you can have it. I like it. I like it to read. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Um, but okay. Yeah. Anyway, Scott. So James Vernon McGee. That's who it was. Um, Vernon McGee. I, I don't know if you guys know who he is, but yeah, I have nope. a uh, commentary of his on the Book of James. Yeah, he. Uh, Dearly beloved. He's an Arminian, but yeah, he was an Arminian. Yeah. But um he's he But knew. he's still pretty good. Yeah, he preached the gospel, which that's all that matters. Yeah. Scott, do you have a question to ask me? No, why? You do. What do I have to ask? Ask me ask me the question. <laughs> Lee Lee, where can they find us? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, Lee, where can they find us? They can find us at www.guide. You're right. Well, you're right. Uh, They can find us at www.guideswithbibles.com. There they can read our blogs. They can also listen to audio of the episodes themselves. But please check us out on iTunes or Google Play or, uh, let's see, Overcast or Pocket Casts, or whatever podcatcher you choose. And then also check us out on Facebook. Come uh, request uh, to join the Facebook group, the Guys of Bibles Facebook group, and we will get you approved and get you in there. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Guys of Bibles, same handle on Instagram as well. And also, if you're feeling saucy, just send us an email and tell us how terrible you think our show is. Yeah, you can email just, us at guyswbibles at gmail.com. Tear us up. We love it. Go ahead. Tear us a new one. We need it. Yeah, we really do. We really do. <laughs> so um, check out the Bar Podcast uh, with Dwayne Atkinson. Um, great dude. Um, he also posts our commercial on his podcast. Also, check out Doc and Devo, uh, Doctrine and Devotion with Joe Thorne and the Jofo. And... We're guys with Bibles, and we're out.
See, this is the problem with highlighter culture. You Once shut you hi- your, start hi- You shut your mouth. You As shut a former your, highlighter myself, I, your, I am qualified. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> you Lee, you, you recently got the monkey off your back. You're not a highlighter anymore. That's, That's right. true. I'm, I've been clean for uh, five years. Wow, congratulations. Did you get no, like seven a, years. My apologies, seven years. Do you have like a token or something? Yeah, yeah. They're all um I actually had like little uh um turned them into medallions and I actually wear them around my neck every day. Good. Good. Remind you of to your remind uh, myself. of your success. Yeah, never forget where you came from, fellas. <laughs>